Are you also tired of one-size-fits-all weight loss plans? Meet Noom, the personalized solution that meets you where you are. Noom is able to understand your unique needs, from dietary restrictions to medical concerns. Unlike restrictive programs, Noom embraces your lifestyle and choices. Discover a sustainable approach to weight loss, tailored just for you. Honestly, Noom felt like it was made for me. It's not just about what I eat. It's about understanding why. With Noom, I've learned so much about myself and built healthier habits that stick. It's all about progress, not perfection. Say goodbye to restrictive diets and experience the Noom app for yourself with personalized lessons and expert coaching. Noom's psychology and biology-based approach has helped over 5.2 million people achieve their goals. Stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. Sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes to promote better living. Available to buy now wherever books are sold. This episode is sponsored by Brooklyn Candle. Female-owned and founded by Tamara Main in 2013, Brooklyn Candle offers luxury home fragrance products at an accessible price point. Everything is handmade in Brooklyn, and the fragrances were all inspired by travel and nature, moments, and memories. Now, they're also doing things responsibly. All of the candles are 100% soy wax, plant-based, and renewable. All products are free from phthalates, parabens, sulfates, petroleum, and dyes, and the beautiful vessels, the jars that they come in, can be reused and repurposed. They also limit plastic in production and have none in shipping, so everything is clean and, like I said, they're doing things responsibly. My biggest thing, of course all of these things are important, is that when I walk into my room and the Santal diffuser hits me, I immediately feel more at peace and more at calm. Um, there's, there's just something about scent, especially that takes us to a different vibration, a different place. Um, so if you want to experience Brooklyn candle, head on over to brooklyncandlestudio.com and be sure to use my code motherhood20 to save. You're listening to the motherhood to unstressed podcast and I'm your host, Liz Carlisle. Thank you so much for tuning in. I am so glad you're here as always. And as always, I'm excited to share the work of my guest with you. And this week I'm speaking to Dr. Donnie Wilson. She's a naturopathic doctor, certified professional midwife, certified nutrition specialist, and author of Master Your Stress, Reset Your Health. And that's really the subject of today's interview. We're diving into her book, which explains how she has spent over 22 years helping thousands of patients overcome health challenges and achieve wellness by using specific strategies that address the whole body and ultimately resolve the underlying cause of distress. So that's what we're getting to in this episode, you know, discussing the impact of stress on our health and how it's actually possible to recover from burnout and become resilient to stress. And this is one of those episodes where obviously I want to get the information out to you as soon as possible, as clearly as possible so that you can improve your health. But the greatest part of this is that you can then take that knowledge and pass that on to your children. And then, you know, even at their young age, they're already 
light years ahead of everybody else who is kind of under the traditional medical system where you might spend five minutes in a doctor's office and no one's really trying to get to the root cause. They're just treating symptoms. So I love speaking with brilliant people like this who are going to up-level all of us with their knowledge, with their years of research and experience. So please uh, share this episode out, leave us a review if you haven't, and uh, enjoy this episode with Dr. Donnie Wilson. Well, hello, Dr. Donnie Wilson. Welcome to the show. I'm so glad that you're here. Thank you so much. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. And and like I was saying two seconds ago, there's so much that I want to get into. So I'm going to try my best to to ask you the best questions uh, that fit into a half hour program. So let's kick it right off. Can you talk about what stress mode is and the events in your life that led you to healing this, not only in yourself, but in thousands of other people? Oh my gosh, absolutely. And I love that you picked up on the term stress mode because that is the way I describe it. I think that most all of us are in stress mode all the time, whether we realize it or not, you know, and it's really just this constant sense of overwhelm and having a lot on our to-do list, basically too much to do and too little time, right? Where we just feel like, how am I supposed to get all of this done and keep up with my life and keep up with taking care of myself. And it's that that constant stress mode that ends up disrupting our stress hormone levels, our cortisol levels and our adrenaline levels. There, our body's trying to help us keep up with life and stress and it ends up disrupting our hormone levels. And once those hormone levels are disrupted, cortisol and adrenaline either too high or too low, that starts creating all the symptoms, right? So whether it's anxiety, fatigue, sleep issues, digestive issues, uh, frequent infections or skin rashes or weight gain, these symptoms, even autoimmunity, is because our body's in this constant state of stress and trying to keep up with it. Wow. Wow. And so, you know, you talk about all of these things and, and how to treat it in your new book, Master Your Stress, Reset Your Health. Now, I was surprised to learn that there are different types of stress for different people. You stress in different ways. So can you talk to us about the different stress types? Because I feel like most people just think stress is stress. Absolutely. And you asked about my experience with stress. I mean, I'm, I'm a mom. My daughter's now 19 years old. So I've, I've been through it. I'm also a naturopathic doctor. So I run my own practice and help my patients with stress for over 22 years. And so this is where I identified these stress patterns, right? These stress types and that we each are individuals in terms of how stress affects us. I didn't learn this in my training as a nutritionist. I didn't learn this in my training as a naturopathic doctor. I didn't learn this when I was training to be a midwife either. It's not part of the training. And so it's no surprise that if you've never heard this before, it really came from my experience going through it myself and helping my patients through it. I realized that the way stress affects us is not the same for each of us. And that means that the treatment is not the same either. That To really help our bodies recover from stress and get our cortisol and adrenaline back to optimal means that we need to first understand how, what that stress is, how it's affecting me different than you. And so the stress types that I identified are really based on these patterns of cortisol and adrenaline, where one person's, when they're under stress and they're in stress mode, 
they might go to having high cortisol, high adrenaline levels. That's what I call the stress magnet. They're gonna, we're gonna need to do different treatment, even down to when you exercise and how much you exercise, when you sleep, how much you sleep, how much you meditate. These things, as well as nutrients and herbs that help bring the cortisol back to optimal, is gonna be different than a person, let's say, who has low cortisol, low adrenaline, which I call blah and blue. The blah and blue stress type or stress pattern requires different way of exercising, different way, different nutrients and herbs to help get the cortisol and adrenaline back to optimal. So really the name of the game is how do we get your cortisol and adrenaline levels back to optimal levels, even though you're still doing your life? Because that's the thing, right? We think, am I supposed to just stop? You know, is there a stopping point at some point? But we know as parents, as business owners, we can't just stop. We need to keep taking care of ourselves and our families. So it's not about just stopping. It's about how do we take care of ourselves better while in the midst of our life and our responsibilities? Yeah, I think that that is the key question right there. How do we start caring for ourselves, start addressing you know, this underlying stress? Because I feel like for most women out there listening to this, it's like, yeah, we know we're stressed, but we don't have any time to stop and and do the things that we need to do, or we don't even know what to do. So you talked about a couple different stress types. How do you start to treat it? If, if you're someone who is a night owl and you can't get, you can't go to sleep at night, your mind is just going, going, going. Um, and why, why does that happen? Why does it manifest in different ways for different people? So it's, it comes down to both our genetics and our past stress exposure. So what research shows is that definitely our genetics play a role in how each of us responds differently. Why one person might tend toward high cortisol and high adrenaline levels, for example, and another person tends toward lower cortisol, low adrenaline, that's to some degree based on genetic tendencies. But that's not the whole thing. It's not 100% genetics. It's not even 50% genetics. It's mostly based on our past stress exposure, starting from childhood and even before we were born. We're actually also influenced by our grandparents' stress exposure. That influences how I'm responding to stress today. So it's about your family history of stress exposure and stress recovery, as well as in your childhood. We know about adverse childhood events. There's a lot of research on how stress in childhood continues to affect us throughout our lives. But what I like to emphasize is that also gives us all the opportunity to to have it not negatively affect us. We, by knowing that our bodies are affected by stress, then that also tells us we can make day-to-day choices and change our diet, change the nutrients, change the herbs we're using, change, you know, choose different activities in a way that's going to help us recover from stress, even stress from our childhood. Wow. Wow. What are some ways that an ACE event uh, can manifest into adulthood? Because you might look back and think you have a completely normal childhood. You go to school, you get married, you have kids, and then all of a sudden you start experiencing a high amount of anxiety, stress. You might have hair loss or, or other other symptoms that are, that are having you go to the doctor. How do you know that this is related to something that happened in your childhood? or Or how do you know that it's something merely physical? Because I think a lot of women are, are questioning themselves and then they go to the doctor and they don't get clear answers either. Now, the doctor might say, well, 
hair loss is common with stress exposure, and then they might just send you out the door. And yes, you could take some supplements like biotin, for example, for hair growth, but you're like, wait a minute, what's really going on here? And it sometimes it is hard to separate out because of course, we all just came through a pandemic, which was hugely stressful. So just the stress of the pandemic alone, I'm seeing so many more women telling me about hair loss or fatigue or mood changes or fertility issues or uh, HPV virus. Uh, to me, any virus is going to be, it's going to take advantage of us being stressed. So when we're under more stress and our cortisol and adrenaline's out of balance, we're more susceptible to infections of all types including viruses like HPV. So I'm seeing a lot of women have their pap smears come back positive for abnormal cells and HPV. And it's like, well, why is this happening? Well, because we all just came through a stressful pandemic. Now, like your question is saying, well, how much of what's happening now is because of a recent stress versus a past stress? And sometimes it's hard to tease that out. I would just, for each person, want to look at that and say, hey, let's consider it all. Let's put it all on the table. And in the book, that's what I do is I say, under, it's it's helpful to understand your different stress exposures, you know, just because there's a level of acceptance then, right? I think it helps us so much to have awareness and acceptance to say, hey, this is my life. This is the stress I've experienced. And not to feel a victim, but to be able to be have compassion for yourself and be like, wow, no wonder I'm having these symptoms because I have been through stressful experiences. I have had Maybe sometimes stress in childhood might have been just changing schools or having a divorce in the family or even a substance abuse in your family or a family member who had a mental health issue themselves with stress. <laughs> that So sometimes there it doesn't have to be a major crisis that was still a stress in your childhood. And most all of us, that's really when our nervous system is developing and being imprinted by our life experience as a human so usually mm -hmm. there are some even minor challenges that end up imprinting as a stress response in, in for us. And, and so a lot of people then may work with, a, say, a, a psychotherapist or a psychoanalyst or other forms of emotional support to help you be able to look back at your childhood and get some perspective on it. And there's, for more severe situations, there's things like EMDR and and I would even mention psychedelic therapy if someone's being really chat. If you know, like, wow, I had a really stressful childhood and I'm getting re-triggered every day. And I keep re what ha tends to happen is if we have a stressful childhood, we tend to unconsciously recreate it in our present, right? We tend to end up choosing stressful relationships mm -hmm. because our nervous system is used to being stressed. So we end up re choosing stress without realizing it. And we're like, how did that just happen again? And so sometimes we, we may want to look into things like EMDR therapy or psychedelic therapy, which I've seen really help get in a deeper level of reprogramming our nervous system so that we're not so automatically choosing stress. I mean, that's what I found for myself. I was definitely automatically choosing stressful situations, not on purpose, but because it was familiar, right? We this, the situation we're in becomes so familiar, we're familiar with feeling stressed. And so sometimes actually making a change feels scary, right? To say, hey, I want to change my job or change my relationship or change my where I'm living. These things 
also creates stress. And so it feels stressful to make a change. But sometimes we just have to sit with it enough and say, hey, is this affecting my health and my longevity and my well-being? Maybe it's time for me to make a plan to make a change so that I can really change my future, right? This episode is sponsored by Lunia. Lunia's mission is to elevate rest ever since it was founded in 2014 by Los Angeles native Ashley Merrill. Now, if that name rings a bell, there's a good reason because she has been on the show not once, but twice. The most recent episode, episode 245. Now, we talk all about motherhood and managing stress and running a business, but we also talk about her beautiful brand. Known for pioneering washable silk, they have since expanded into other signature fabrics like organic Pima and cozy cotton silk. Everything Lunia makes is designed to tangibly improve rest with products as functional as they are beautiful. Lunia maintains a painstaking attention to detail, quality, and construction because they see their pieces as the anti-old t-shirt. They are the uniform for those who share their belief that resting is the most important time of the day. So if you would like to get some Lunia apparel of your own, please use my code UNSTRESS20 to save at lunia.co. That's L-U-N-Y-A dot C-O. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned these alternative therapies that are now becoming insanely popular because we've actually been able to study them in clinical trials. Um, for the the woman who thinks, you know, that these are woo-woo or just completely out there, um, can you just give us a little nugget of why psychedelics, why EMDR uh, are so effective in, in quick in treating, you know, deep-rooted stress responses? Well, my perspective on it is like when we're in our conscious state, well, first of all, we have a lot of built-in protection mechanisms, right? Like we, whether we realize it or not, we're, our nervous system's always going to want to protect us. That's our survival, right? Our brain and nervous system is meant to help us survive. So it's going to have some protective mechanisms built in. And I think that even if we're in a classical let's see, cognitive behavioral therapy session. And believe me, I've, I mean, I've experienced all of this myself. So I'm, I'm coming from also personal experience. Also what I've seen with thousands of patients that I work with, we can get a certain amount of benefit being in the conscious state. But this is why there's also so much experience and research on hypnotherapy, right? Where with hypnotherapy, we're we're in a different state. We're not in this conscious state. And sometimes that's where we can create deep change in our nervous system and our experiences by being able to, in some ways, set aside the busyness and, and overprotectiveness of our nervous system. Even with meditation, for example, when we're meditating, we're really practicing how to let the thoughts pass by. We still have thoughts happening when we're meditating, but we learn how to notice the thought and let it go without feeling like we need to react to it. So we're teaching our nervous system and bringing our brain waves actually to a different brainwave state that allows us to create change. So mm-hmm. even with something as what seems as subtle as meditation and mindfulness, people can cre- have experience a lot of change in their stress response just by learning that. And it's a practice. It's something you're teaching your nervous system how to do. EMDR, I think of as very similar. It's, it's, it's showing us how to distract our conscious mind 
so that we can work on the unconscious. And with psychedelic therapy, it's, it's again, it's bringing us out of our usual day-to-day realm into another realm where we then can experience the shifts in our nervous system. And, and psychedelic therapy in general, I would say, there's a certain amount of trust that I now have. A lot of people might be afraid because of the unknown, right? Where, what, where am I going to be? What is going to happen? What might mm-hmm. come up? And it's through experiencing it that I've gained a lot of trust in it to know that with psychedelic therapy, the nervous system, I believe, also knows the healing path that we need to go down. And when we can let down our guards a bit and surrender to that healing process, our nervous system will go toward a more healthy state. And so I think it's in some of these tools and techniques, even biofeedback, that we're able to set aside those protective mechanisms and allow our bodies to find their way back to a healthy state. Yeah, that was one of the most encouraging things that I got out of your book is that the body is designed to heal. The body wants to heal. That's why it's putting up all these alarms because it's trying to protect us, Um, which was so comforting to me because I feel like a lot of people feel like they're at war with their bodies. They're at war with their weight. They're at war with immune disease. They're at war with their hormones. So you know, even just reading that and and taking that in, I think already sets in motion my brain, my body, my spirit, everything to be like, okay, we're all on the same team. We all want the same things. We just need to figure out what's going on and then to bring in that that care. Now, speaking of self-care, which is a huge platform on this this show and this uh, this brand, um, can you talk about the care method that you developed? Because I find that, you know, it's very simple, but it's insanely effective. Well, these were things that I was talking about over and over and over again. And one day realized, oh my gosh, this fits into the acronym CARE, like as in self-care. So it's C for clean eating, right? So how, what can we do in terms of choosing foods that are going to be healthier for our bodies and less stressful for our bodies? And we can go into more detail uh, on these if you'd like. A is for adequate sleep. We know that so much stress recovery happens when we're sleeping. And so how do we encourage us to get in bed and sleep? And how do we help people who are struggling with their sleep so that they can benefit from that stress recovery time while we sleep? It's just something humans do. Humans eat, humans sleep. (laughs) And um, the other two is R for recovery activities. These are, and I, in the book, I have a whole menu of recovery activities, everything from meditation and mindfulness to uh, to just spending time in nature. You know, it's these activities that we really can choose on a day-to-day basis that actually have been shown to help us reset from stress. And then E is for exercise or movement. Again, humans are meant to have movement in our lives, but it's a matter of how do we choose it in a way that doesn't stress us out more. And so yeah. this is the care. I love that. I love that. Yeah, because um, I just had someone on the show earlier who was talking about how sometimes cardio is actually not what you want to be doing if your hormones are are not balanced and it can actually cause more issues. So would would the stress magnet benefit from a lot of exercise or would they have to do more yoga, uh, Pilates, things like that, just for example? 
Yeah, it's a great it's a great one. Yeah, stress magnets. So they tend to have higher cortisol and adrenaline, and so if they do too intense or too long of exercise, they're going to actually push their cortisol and likely their adrenaline higher. So it's like now it's working against them, really. But it doesn't mean that they need to do zero exercise. It just means how do you choose exercise, especially at a time of day, right? So if a, if a stress magnet has high cortisol in the morning, that's probably the, not their best time to do uh, exercise. Better to do their exercise maybe in the middle of the day when their cortisol is not so high. And then choose an exercise maybe a shorter length of time, maybe just a 15-minute HIIT workout for example. So you're getting your exercise, but it doesn't need to be two hours of a run or something. It, it, we don't want to go, we want to be mindful not to push it too high. So the studies are clear that the, the more intense and the longer the duration raises the cortisol more. And so we want to be mindful of that. Whereas for blah and blue, those are sort of the two opposites of stress types. Blah and blue also needs to exercise, but they often feel so tired and uh, weak and unmotivated, they're like, how am I going to exercise? So we need to, a lot of times, actually, my patients who are in a low cortisol state, I first find we need to help them to nourish and rebuild their adrenals so that they start to get healthier cortisol. Then we can start in with small amounts of exercise, literally, sometimes even just five minutes of, yeah, maybe Pilates or, you know, like a low impact exercise until you start to be able to learn how much can I do without completely depleting myself all over again. Um, and the other stress types, by the way, there's the night owl that has high cortisol and adrenaline usually at night or in the middle of the night. Um, and then there's uh, tired and wired that has low cortisol with high adrenaline and sluggish and stressed that has high cortisol with low adrenaline. So it's possible to have the opposites. It's possible to have low and, and high uh, cortisol and adrenaline. They don't always shift together. Hmm. That's so fascinating to me. And does this, I mean, I feel like I have been almost all of these things at different times in my life. Is it something that changes with age? Is it something that changes with what's going on in your life? Or are, like you did say, you know, genetics have a, have a role in this, but can it shift mm -hmm. for people? Can it change? Some people, it does shift. It doesn't seem to be so much based on age. I looked at that because we would kind of assume, you know, and also we're always told, well, if you have health issues, it's because you're getting older. So it's always like, well, is it just based on age? But what I found is no, like, you know, you could be a stress magnet or blah and blue at like 15 years old or 18 years old. So that's not based on age, right? That's like, hey, even a teenager or someone in their 20s, could be either stress magnet or blah and blue. So that showed me it's not just based on age and it's not even necessarily based on severity of stress. So, you know, some people have been under way more severe stress and they they might be, a, one person's a stress magnet, another person's blah and blue. So it really, to me, is like came down to realizing that it, it can, it's just based on sort of your makeup. Your it's, To me, it's almost like your fingerprint. It's like your, and it, and it can't, some people say to me, well, is it very day to day or week to week or month to month? And if the interesting thing, because I measure myself and patients all the time and we look at this, it's it doesn't. It seems that most people kind of have their set place that their body is going to go most likely when they're, say you go through more of a major stress and we test it today and then maybe you go through another major stress in two years, two years from now, you likely you're going to go to that similar stress pattern. Now, some people, it does shift a bit. Um, it can't, like for me, like for example, 
when my daughter was young and she was, she was, she did not sleep well. And so I was up a lot of times trying to get her to go to sleep or helping her to go back to sleep. And then I was still also seeing patients and writing books. And so I was up late getting my work done when she finally would go to sleep. And so I kind of ended up pushing myself into being a night owl because I was essentially working the day shift and the night shift. I see this also in patients who work two shifts or they work late. Like if you if you work late at night or you like say you work in a restaurant or you are a musician and you work late, you might end up sending yourself into a night owl mode because of that. And then, but really you, it might not be your true you know, state. It's because of your work situation and your life situation. And then maybe you change your job or my daughter started sleeping better. And I then no longer was I as much of a night owl. It became more like, or or some people might have two things going on. You might be blah and blue in the morning and a night owl at night, for example. Or I have also seen where some women, when they go through perimenopause, right? So you might be like, in your 40s, you might be like, oh, a stress magnet, high cortisol, high adrenaline, go, go, go. And then as menopause happens, perimenopause happens, it also tends to shift. We usually with perimenopause are thinking of estrogen and progesterone levels changing. But what I also see is that we the cortisol and adrenaline can shift during perimenopause. And so I help a lot of women through that phase of their life where they're going, wow, now I went from being a stress magnet to being blah and blue during my 40s. Yeah, I hear that a lot, actually, a lot of women who hit menopause and just lose all motivation, lose all gas. And they're just like, I don't even recognize myself anymore. I feel invisible. I just don't feel like myself. And that's interesting, because yeah, we always think of, oh, just do hormone replacement, and that'll address it. But it sounds like there's, of course, more dimension to to everything. Yeah, I would, I definitely encourage all women to also measure your cortisol and adrenaline levels because then it's it's your whole body, right? We if we just pay attention to estrogen progesterone, we're we're not addressing the whole whole picture. Yeah. So okay, so say, you know, the person who comes to see you, who who gets your book, who's who's doing the assessment, okay, they've pinned down the type that they are. They start putting in these these care, these care um, methodology that you've developed let's talk about resiliency because I feel like that ultimately is the name of the game. The reason that we're digging deep, we're finding out about ourselves, we're, we're doing the things that we need to do to get to a place where we feel good. How do we then ultimately bring in resiliency for the rest of our life? Yeah. Yeah. And this is exactly where I bring you in the book is to be to, first of all, just the concept that resiliency is possible, right? Like sometimes we might think of it as like, is this an illusion? You know, can I actually be healthy while stressed? Because it, it brings me to the point that the goal is not about being stress-free. Like to just recognize that being a human, doing the stuff that we humans like to do, like have children and have a job or have a business, <laughs> these are things that are going to have inherent stress involved. So it's to be clear, first of all, that our goal is not about having zero stress. The goal is How do we stay healthy while stressed? And how do we become more intentional about the stress we're choosing? And how do we become intentional about choosing our self-care and stress recovery? And so once we we identify your stress mode, which is your stress type, and we work on getting your cortisol to optimal, whether that's getting your cortisol down or your cortisol up and your 
adrenaline down or up until we get to these optimal levels, then it's about how do we maintain it there over time through be through life, right? Whatever's coming next week, next month, next year, we want you to be able to maintain those optimal cortisol and adrenaline levels. And the thing is, is that once you know, once you've been through this process and you know, oh, this is my best way of eating and getting enough sleep and recovery activities and exercise, now you know you can you can turn to those tools all every day, all the time. You'll know if I'm under stress. I need to eat this. I need to do this to make sure I can maintain my self-care. That's a lot of resiliency is just really getting your self-care routine to be so part of your life that you don't even think about it anymore. You just know I'm going to wake up and do this and then I'm going to do this and I'm going to, this is what I'm going to be eating or where I'm, how I'm going to be aiming to eat. You know what I mean? Like you, it becomes so part of your life that you're not, you're not having to try and work or you don't even leave it out because it's just part of your normal day-to-day self-care routine. And then also, if you are under more stress and your cortisol goes high, you're going to know, oh, I need to choose phosphatidylserine and ashwagandha, for example, to bring my cortisol down. Whereas someone who tends toward low is going to say, okay, I better go take my adrenal support to raise my cortisol up. And so you learn what to reach for to help maintain under stress. And that's what I consider resiliency. Yeah. I mean, it's prescriptive, isn't it? It's like, okay, I know how I am, who I am, how I react to stress. And then it hits and you're like, I got it. I already have the game plan. I love that. I feel like that is so empowering to women, Mm -hmm. you know, especially after, you know, the past two years and, you know, just as things continue on, it's like, this is giving them the key that they need to take control and to not feel like they're going to be overwhelmed by life circumstances. It's like, okay, I have a game plan. Like that's everything. It really is because if we, as soon as we end up losing our, our kind of control, right? Something else is determining our life and our health and how we feel. That feels very scary, right? You start to feel very overwhelmed because you feel like you, what can you do? But if we can bring it back to like, actually you can have a lot of control by really prioritizing your health and your self-care and prioritizing your cortisol and adrenaline levels, it makes all the difference in the day-to-day because then if something unexpected comes up, you have a fallback. You know what's going to sustain you. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, wow. I told you this time was going to go by really fast, and it did. Dr. Donnie, do you have any final message for the woman listening that you would like them to really walk away with from this talk? Oh, thank you for asking that. I just, I think I want to say just that it's possible because sometimes it feels, is this really going to work? Is this really possible? And I want you to know that it, from my experience and what I see with, with the patients I work with is that it is possible that we, that this actually does, this is not just a a crutch or a, a costume or a, you know, temporary thing. This is actually something that can help you realign with yourself, know yourself and love yourself more and actually help you do the things you're really passionate about and and what you feel purpose for in your life without having to be constantly drained by it, right? Like how do we actually do what we love while feeling good doing it? Yeah, and I just think about, you know, to the woman listening who has children, like you're absolutely modeling healthy behavior for them so that when stress hits them, um, they can remember how you reacted and how you dealt with it. I think that that is really powerful too. 
uh, oh my gosh, it gives me goosebumps to think that we can shift. If this is what my stress type is based on my childhood, imagine how you can shift your childhood, ex- your child's experience in their childhood. It's going to change their health for their future. Not to stress you out by saying that, <laughs> but to say, right? Like sometimes we feel so much pressure and expectation to be the perfect mom. But I would say, like what I found, again, being a mom and having a daughter is that if the more you can just be be authentic and be present in the moment with yourself and your child and say, hey, I recognize that stress affects us and what can we do each moment to help ourselves through that because it's going to help us in this moment and ultimately it is going to help them in their life and you in your life going forward. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm giving this book to my, my kids when they're old enough to really get it, because I know that this will be helpful for them. Dr. Donnie, where can our listener find out more about you online, connect with you if they want to work with you and get the book? Ah, thank you so much. Well, the book is at Amazon or and other booksellers. So wherever you prefer to get books, it, it will also be audible very soon. So Maybe when you're listening, it'll already be an audible book. Also, if you prefer to listen, uh, my name is D-O-N-I. So if you just search at drdonnie.com, which is either D-R-D-O-N-I or D-O-C-T-O-R-D-O-N-I. And I'm also Dr. Donnie Wilson on social media. I'd love to hear from any of you. Love it. Thank you so much for this book. Thank you for all of your research and the years and years of work healing thousands of people all over the world. Uh, I'm just grateful that you're here and sharing your message. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. You have been listening to the Motherhood Unstressed podcast. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast.